Welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Real-world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CodeCast Podcast today. My name is Terry Fletcher. I hope you had a good holiday weekend for Labor Day. Uh, We got to see some family, had our football drafts, which were really funny, fantasy football drafts. And so I'm on five leagues. Can you believe that? It's really crazy. So today I want to talk about a topic that has come up, especially with the fee schedule proposal that's out for 2024. And it's that new code, the HixPix code G2211. And what it is, is it's an add-on code that was delayed for three years when Congress delayed it, saying that it would be too cost prohibitive. And now they want to implement it January 1st, 2024. So first of all, um, and I get a lot of this reference from Coding Intel, so I appreciate them for some of their insight into that. Also have information from the proposed rule itself. So I'm going to start kind of talking about this and just want to make sure you know where my reference information is. So the information, first of all, it's not final. Everybody still has until I think it's September 15th to weigh in on this. But G2211 is an add-on code to office and other outpatient services, 99202 to 99215. Medicare believes it will be used by primary care and other specialties who treat a single serious condition or a complex condition with a consistency and continuity over a long period of time. Now they say that in the proposal that if you're going to add on this G2211 to an office visit, Let's say you also do a minor procedure, and so you need a 25 modifier in your office visit as well. They won't pay for it. Okay, so they say you can't have both. This is just about the actual E&M encounter itself. So here is what the definition is, and it's really strange. It says, visit complexity inherent to evaluation and management associated with medical care services that serve as the continuing focal point for all needed healthcare services and or with medical care services that are part of ongoing care related to a patient's single serious condition or complex condition. They say list with other office and other outpatient services. So what does that mean exactly? It's very generic. And so what they come out and said is they said this is for practitioners or providers who use E&M services to report most of their services. So CMS believes that the valuations for office visit codes don't adequately reflect the cost of caring for certain kinds of complexity inpatient. They call it longitudinal care. It's weird. And then says CMS believes that the values don't account for, and I'm quoting, the resource costs associated with primary care and other longitudinal care of complex patients. And that's on page 296 of the proposed rule. So the goal of developing and paying for this service is to pay providers to address needs and consistency and continuity over long periods of time. And it's paying for time, intensity, and practice expense of providing cares to those type of patients. So I actually looked up and said, what is longitudinal care? So what that is, is basically your physician's also responsible for tracking that patient's entire, for that one problem, individual health, risk factors, care usage, along with associated costs for this complex illness, even tracking their hospitalizations and 
you know, things like that. So the documentation is going to have to be incredible. Um, and then it also says not all primary care visits would be eligible. So a patient who's seen, for example, for an acute health care need might not require additional extra work at that visit for coordination or follow-up. They provide specific examples of conditions that would not require the add-on of the complexity code like seasonal allergies, uh, a new onset of GERD, you know, gastroesophageal reflux, treatment for a fracture. They say, quote, where comorbidities are either not present or not addressed and or when the billing practitioner has not taken responsibility for ongoing medical care for that particular patient with consistency and continuity over time or does not plan to take responsibility for ongoing medical care for that patient with consistency or continuity over time. And that's in page 301 of the proposed rule. So it's interesting because they, this talks about the relationship with the patient, not necessarily the type of problem. So think about the words they're using, the language, continuity, consistency over time, longitudinal care. So what did Medicare expect as far as how often this is going to be billed? Well, they think some specialties, um, well, let me back up. They expect that 38% of all E&M services initially, and that it will be billed with, and then 54% of all E&M services when it's fully adopted, because you know out there some people don't always get their new cards and doesn't, don't realize what's out there. And they feel that some specialties will use the code more frequently. They really are hammering on primary care here, and some less frequently. And they also say this does not mean that every physician or NPP will use the code 38% of the time. So there is a lot of specialty societies that are actually against implementing this G2211 because of the budget neutrality rule. So this is something you should also know. New services added to the Medicare fee schedule in any coming year cause for an adjustment to all other services to keep the total Part B expenditure budget neutral. So when you add something, you've got to decrease fees for other things to find the money to pay for. It's terrible. So here's in the proposed rule as well. And this is a section um, that was part of seven pages within that proposed rule. And it talks about the, you know, who decides for the criteria for it. So who will decide which condition is serious at CMS? And it, it, they actually, this is how they answered. They said CMS doesn't define descriptions that are serious, but they're giving some examples of when not to use it. And I gave you some already, but they say, furthermore, in contrast to situations where the patient's overall ongoing care is being managed, monitor or observe, monitored or observed by a specialist for a particular disease or condition, we continue to believe that there are many visits with newer established patients where officer or other out patient E&M visit complexity add-on code would not be appropriately reported for today, or they feel that such care when they furnished, uh, that furnished during the office visit is provided by a professional whose relationship with the patient is more of a discrete routine or time-limited nature. So they say, you know, not limited to, but this is an example, a mole removal or referral to a physician for a removal of mole or for other services treatment for a simple virus, uh, counseling for related seasonal allergies, uh, initial onset of, they talked about the esophageal reflux, uh, treatment of a fracture, 
And then they say where, you know, comorbidities are either not present or not addressed or not linked to today's visit, shout out to Christine Hall, or when the billing practitioner has not taken responsibility for the ongoing care, they feel that this is not appropriate. And this is in the Federal Register, again, the proposed rule, 85 FR 84570 and 84571. So make sure you're taking a look at that. Then the question came up, what if two providers of different specialties bill this code on the same date? So they didn't really address this in, her, in their document, but I'm thinking if there are different specialties, they may both get paid, but what if the patient is seeing, let's say a primary care, and which is usually family practice, plus their internal medicine, which kind of has a crossover, that's gonna be an issue. Then what about if somebody wants to add, let's say they're using a level five, they want to add on the G2211, and they want to add on, let's say, a G2212, which is the prolonged service code for Medicare, or even the 99417, which is prolonged service code for commercial. So again, in the proposed rule, it doesn't say that you can't use that together, so you may or may not be able to bill them together, but you're going to have to take your chances until they clarify. And then it says, how are other specialties that wouldn't be eligible, how are they defined? So the proposed rule doesn't name names they, because they never do. But here's what CMS has said, and this is quotes within the proposal that they were thinking about. So they said for specialties, specifically we look into account the likelihood that primary care specialties will have a higher utilization of the add-on code than other specialties. They say surgical specialties will have the lowest utilization since they are less likely to establish longitudinal care relationships with patients and other specialists are more likely to have longitudinal care relationships than surgical specialties, but less likely than primary care specialists. Well, primary care doctors, as much as we do need them, are now kind of referring out patients to manage diabetes, hypertension, chronic conditions, this long, longitudinal care where patients aren't at goal and even medicine isn't helping. You know, so I can just see cardiologists using this quite a bit. I can see oncologists using this quite a bit. And then it said when they proposed this in 2021, they said we also estimated that the office and outpatient E&M complexity add-on would be reported by specialties that rely on the E&M services for the majority of their services, and this would be billed in addition to the E&M services. So that makes me think that they're not thinking of patients who are in the hospital. So does this mean that, you know, um, physicians who are rounding on patients in the hospital probably would not be using this, so admitting physicians? Then they talk about documentation requirements. So again, the proposed rule does not mention any. But I would think that CMS will start data mining this and looking at claim, claims data on whoever bills it to look for, first of all, this, again, I'm air quoting, longitudinal, longitudinal relationship with the patient. And I'm sure they're going to have some kind of diagnosis tied to this at some point, but they haven't said that. And it seems like acute diagnoses may not show medical necessity for the G2211. So... Um, one of the things that they talked about is interested parties have presented reasons why we find persuasive that such practitioners would not be likely to report G2211 with every office visit they report because they're delivering care in settings specifically designed to address acute health care needs without coordination, without follow-up, while regularly have encounters with patients that are not part of continuous care. So this is going to be interesting. I'm sure it's going to be a total red flag when it comes to 
um, you know, trying to get paid for it and bill for it. But I just wanted you to have some insight there because I've taken a lot of different uh, myself, you know, courses. I have to keep up my own CEUs for all the alphabet soup after my name. But in, when I just got my micro-credential for outpatient auditing through AHIMA, this was something that was coming up as far as uh, complexity and you know, versus acuity in a patient and management of the patient and, you know, what you're looking for within the chart. So I think documentation is going to be the key here. And I think it's really going to be interesting how they price it, especially if it's going to pull from other services. And just keep an eye on that. I'll be surprised if it gets implemented because so many specialists and other um, providers that carry on with acute so urgent care won't be able to use this um, ER won't you know won't be able to use this if they see patients after the fact but that's you know that's not necessarily always outpatient visit but you're going to have you know orthopedic probably would never use this general surgery they're saying you know may, maybe never you never know but then what if happens if you're following them for cancer you know what what is this what is this true definition of longitudinal care? And I think they're going to have to come out with certain diagnoses for that as well. So keep an eye on the G2211 and, and see where it lands. And always remember G codes with Medicare. G, we're watching you. So just be just be careful with that. And it is not going to be paid for from what I'm hearing the buzz from commercial plans. So this is going to be Medicare only. 2024. Also, here's an announcement that just came forward, um, and I appreciate David Zetter on this. This was um, put in our listserv from the NSCHBC group that I'm part of. Cigna is now requiring hospital privileges for all providers going forward to participate with any plan under Cigna. No admitting arrangements are accepted. So that those that do not report this at recredentialing will be terminated from participation. So this is an interesting thing because think about it. What about, um, you know, behavioral health providers? What about NPs and PAs and just different, they say providers, they don't just say physicians. Um, and so for providers that aren't uh, admitting, they can't even get, you know, they, they don't always get hospital privileges. So they're saying unless you're a hospital physician and an outpatient physician, you can't get participation with the Cigna plan. That's that's really unfortunate. So I, I'll be really surprised uh, what happens after that because that's not okay. And um, just looking at this thread here, it says it applies to uh, all Cigna. And also if it's Ever North, they ha now handle more than just behavioral health for Cigna. So also look at those intermediaries as well. So lots to definitely um, unpack when it comes to what the payers are doing, what uh, Medicare is proposing. And remember, we're all stakeholders. I mentioned that last time I kind of showed you what's on, you know, the plan for 2024. Make sure you get your providers, make sure you uh, yourself as a healthcare professional also comment on some of these um, proposed rules and proposed implementation because it could affect your job too. So, you know, especially because it's all tied to money couple of schedule updates. Don't forget that I'll be presenting the third quarter Medicare update for the NSCHBC. That'll be October 17th. So make sure you register for that at nscHBC.org. And I think it's $99 for non-members. And if you're a member, it's 49. So hopefully you'll uh, want to check in on that. There's a lot to unpack for third quarter, and it's going to include a lot of these proposals. So you'll have it in writing to refer back to you so you know what you're looking at. Also, personal tidbit this week. Oh, my goodness. 
I have people ask me all the time, what do you do in your spare time? You know, do you ever take a break? You're working all the time. This is true. I am working all the time, probably about 60, 70 hours a week, but I am remote. So that's okay. Um, and we do have a pool now, so I'm getting them pool quite a bit. It's helped me with my kind of my weight loss journey here, but also I love certain streaming shows. And one that I've been just obsessed with is the Lincoln lawyer. I might've mentioned it before and check it out. It's on Netflix. It's, I mean, it's great. And, uh, they are now, thank you for sponsoring our show. So, uh, check it out on Netflix and also, uh, you'll love the actors. It's so good. There's two seasons out binge watch it if you can 10 episodes per season, but it, it's truly just awesome. So if you get a chance and I just realized they're based on Michael Crichton books and I didn't even know that my husband told me, so I'm going to have to pick up a book now and figure out all the different uh, books for that and read through that. I love, um, legal thrillers. That's just my thing. How do you get out of this when it looks like it's hopeless? How, how can you legally get, you know, get out of something and hopefully more likely than not, the person is innocent. It doesn't always happen that way, but a lot of twists and turns, a lot of things going on there. So hopefully if you're looking for something, that would be it. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening in today. We hope you have a good rest of your week and make it a great day. Thanks for listening to the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing, and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1 or visit her website at www.terryfletcher.net. Podcast producer Joe Kuzma. Music producer, Assassin Music.